station, but we're here for a real education. Welcome to A Real Education. I am your host, Tim Wick. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Melissa Kersher, who knows a lot about movies, and Jenny Young, hey. who has heard of movies. <laughs> They're things that exist. <laughs> they are things that exist. We are also joined by our special guest co-host, Mr. Matt Alex. Hello. And we are doing this live at Pepito's Parkway Theater. Thousands of audience Thousands members. of rabid thing fans sitting in the audience. That's right. <laughs> Our movie today that we're going to watch is John Carpenter's The Thing. And as always, what we like to do is we like to start out with having Jenna tell you what she knows about the movie that we're about to watch. So, Jenna, please, if you could share with the audience what you know about this film. I know that this film is one of Matt's absolute favorite films. Yep. I infer from that. <laughs> I imply from that. What? Oh, I'm confusing my words. Anyway, what, what I'm guessing is that it's something horror-y. Horror-related because, because Matt does do a podcast thing. called he Horror loves, Show Hot Dog. He loves horror. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I wore my skeleton shirt because of that. Um, so I, I think it has something to do with some kind of a monster. Um, okay. I also uh, was told that it's the best romantic comedy ever, and I don't know if they were pulling my leg or if that's an actual thing. It's an <laughs> it, it was an unlikely romantic comedy, but it did sweep the Oscars that year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, okay, uh, anything else? I, I, I picture in my brain like a, a, a green, like a guy in a shitty green um, monster suit. Okay. Like, like leaves and shit. A guy in a shitty green monster suit with leaves and shit. It's, Doesn't it, it make it, it sound like this is going to be a great movie for you folks to watch? It's a totally different movie that I'm connecting with it, but maybe it's not. So, uh, just quick, I want to check. Uh, is there anybody in this theater who has not seen The Thing before? Oh, good. There are a lot of new folks. That's great. Uh, let me tell you right now, I'm Jenna is pretty much 100% wrong. So, uh, okay. you have that to look forward to. Uh, Did I get the part <laughs> about it being Max's favorite movie. Uh, did, did she get that part right, man? Yeah, I believe this is my favorite movie. It tends to trade back and forth with this and uh, Dawn of the Dead. But yeah. okay. okay. Okay, so this and Dawn the original, of the Dead. Yeah. All right, those are good choices. So in a yeah. non-spoiler way, we're going we're gonna to kind of uh, set up the film a little bit for you, uh, Melissa and, and Matt and I, and then uh, we will watch the film. So uh, any non-spoiler comments you'd care to make, Melissa? 1982, the same weekend as Blade Runner. Wow. Yeah, the really yeah. poor box office performance on this one blamed uh, largely on the fact that E.T. was making a crap ton of money, perhaps a metric shitload of money at the box office, and people were not ready to see a scary movie with something extraterrestrial while, <laughs> while that was kind of warming everyone's hearts, and he had a Lionel Richie song to tell you how great it was. <laughs> yeah, that's a deep pull, yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. So this is a film by John Carpenter, who is well-known as a horror film director. It stars uh, one of his favorite actors, Kurt Russell, if not his favorite actor. Probably right? his favorite. Also considered the first film of what he calls his Apocalypse Trilogy. They're unrelated in plot and story, but loosely related in theme. Loosely. The other ones being Prince of Darkness and uh, In the Mouth of Madness, both other ones that are excellent from the John Carpenter oeuvre. <laughs> wow, did you just say that? I did. Yeah, your mom Do must be really impressed. Oeuvre. Oh. <laughs> His mom gave the thumbs up, so that's well done. That's, I'm playing an audience of one here. It's like, <laughs> do you love me now? Do you? Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
so I have a lot to make up for. <laughs> un unless, unless you guys have anything else to add. I mean, I think this movie is best if we really just keep our mouths shut and, and let it unfold. Yeah, exactly. I have so much to say after Yeah, and yeah. hopefully your mic will work by then, so that'll that be great. That would be nice. Uh, <laughs> I'm really intrigued to see if this shows up on the recording or if hey, there... Am I, am I, like, silent? Hi. I, I can now. Yeah. The yeah. first half of this podcast is brought to you by the ghost of Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> and as we all know, ghosts aren't real, so she's not on the record. So if you're listening to this podcast and you can't hear Melissa at all, we're sorry. Um, Extra bonus for the live audience. Give yourselves a hand. <laughs> Do I know how to pander or what? And we are going to be back after the movie. back. We have just finished watching The Thing. What did everybody think? Yeah, you'd do that anyway because we're recording and it would sound lame if you were all like, it sucked! <laughs> oh, man. Jenna, first time watching the movie. You've never seen this movie before, right? I have never seen this movie before. And what did you think? I am never going to look at Bloodborne Pathogens the same way Like, seriously, and I'm Okay, I know I'm looking at this from the other side of the early 80s, where, like... Um, like, now that we know about AIDS and stuff? Now that, well, <laughs> and now that we understand how things can get passed around a little the bit wiping better. Wiping the scalpel off on the jeans, yeah. for instance. Yeah, <laughs> wiping the scalpel off, holy crap. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, uh, well, whatever. He was dead I'm, pr I'm pretty right sure they knew that was what? a bad idea in the early 80s. I mean, yeah. I, well, I, I was around in the early 80s, and we did have hygiene yeah. then. Definitely. So... <laughs> but I, I think yeah. that did get the largest reaction out of the audience was the wiping the scalpel <laughs> like, off. Oh, the oh, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there's no way that that thing doesn't exist still if a little dish of blood is going to have that kind of a reaction. Yeah. There's absolutely no way. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sorry. So your entire reaction I, to the film is we're all fucked. We're all fucked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's appropriate. Yeah, that's the look they're going for. Like I said, this is part of the apocalypse trilogy, where it's just like this is pretty much unstoppable. <laughs> so yeah, there's there's pretty much no point in this film where you feel like things are going to go well. No, no. I, I'm a <laughs> huge fan of uh, horror movies with nihilistic endings. I, that comes up on Horror Show Hot Dog a lot. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of the crazy happy ending because uh, that's so common. So when someone goes, no, no, this is going to be a movie that you leave going, oh. I guess everything sucks and I should go home now. <laughs> I love that you already... That's, that's a fun way to walk out of a theater to me, which is it's, it's a strange thing to you, say you're, now. you're insane. Okay. I, I love that you've already mentioned that your other favorite movie is Dawn of the Dead, which is Also horrifically thing. nihilistic. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Nope. Hmm. Okay. Sort of a theme. I, I see the theme. I see the theme. Sort of a theme yeah. running between them. Um, so what uh, was your favorite part of the movie, Jenna? My favorite part of the movie... Oh the God. favorite part of this horribly nihilistic part of this film in which oh everybody's going to die. Movie. I I mean the the scalpel thing was actually <laughs> <laughs> fucking good. Um I I I liked uh Dead Space is what I liked. I like Dead Space I, is the best. Dead Space is really good for an, a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, no, there, there were many, uh, different things that I liked. Uh, the, the one thing that I noticed 
Um, or maybe I just missed it. Did it, they ever test uh, McGreevy's blood? Yeah. Yes. He, he, they did? Second. Yes, they did. Okay, it was, it was second? One. Okay, I missed it then. I was like, but what about... Okay, never mind. Yeah, he tested <laughs> somebody else first, but he said, th and then this is... Uh, I'll show you guys what I already know is true. And yeah, basically, oh, okay. from, his, from what uh. we can tell, when they start destroying the camp, the guys that are left are not the thing, except for yeah. Wilford Brimley, who, <laughs> I mean, you know, good news for him, he doesn't have diabetes anymore. <laughs> you know, at the last uh, Young and Fearless, Bill made a Wilford Brimley diabetes joke, too, so I feel like that's a fearless it's a theme, theme right now. Yeah. It's a theme. Yeah. It's the theme of the weekend. Yeah, that that is true. true. Yes. Always, and, and uh, that you should never ever give him an axe, because oh. how scary is that? You know, Wilfred Brimley with an axe. <laughs> we can't hear your mic. Oh, all oh, right. We, well, you we guys, can't uh, hear Matt? we're not Aww. recording if you if we can't hear your mic. So Sad. Uh, you got to pass <laughs> mics with uh, Melissa. You got to pass I, mics with Melissa when you want to say I something. Didn't, I didn't do that on purpose at all. Yeah. So oh, whoa, whoa! Things are moving fast over here. Um, so I think uh, now is the fine time uh, for us to talk a little bit about the history of this film, uh, and and it, it is part of the magical year of 1982. We have visited the magical year of 1982 when we watched Road Warrior. Yeah. Yeah. As Matt uh, explained earlier, this film and Blade Runner came out basically at the same time. Same weekend. The same weekend, and. Uh, much in the same way, both this film and Blade Runner at the time were not appreciated, and both have really gone on to be considered classic, great films. Uh, also, E.T. came out two weeks before this, and while E.T. has a slightly brighter view of uh, <laughs> Alien Contact, uh, it's also an excellent film. And there are a lot of Raiders of the Lost Ark. 1982 is kind of one of these touchstone films. It's a watershed year for big box office cinema, blockbuster type things like this. For, yeah, genre especially. Uh, pretty amazing. Um, the effects in this movie are stunningly good. Just amazing. Yeah, uh, a huge step forward in special effects. And it, it's interesting that uh, the the special effects team was headed hey, by a guy named Rob Botton, who uh, was 22 years old at the time, and he basically begged his way into the movie industry with <laughs> sheer passion and gumption. And he didn't really know how to do a lot of this stuff. He just did it. He basically invented all of this on the yeah. fly, making the movie, which is why uh, you'll find in the, there's a making of on the DVD or the Blu-ray or whatever now, yeah. where you find out that he basically worked seven days a week for like over a year, I believe. It was a year and five weeks, and then he went to the hospital because he never took a day off. Yeah. And, he uh, lived wow. at Universal. The only thing that they passed off was the, I believe it's the dog, It was. It was. Winston. Yeah, the, 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 everything that happened in the dog cage was Stan Winston Studios, mm -hmm. and he was called in to save Rob Botton from dying. Yeah, Stan and Winston he, uh, and he refused to take a credit for it. To, to uh, yeah, you get a special thanks to Stan Winston in the credits, which you guys just saw, but that he mm -hmm. doesn't take full credit for doing special effects. And Stan Winston, of course, doing most of the amazing special effects you've ever seen in any movie ever. Um, <laughs> he also, Stan Winston did Leviathan in 1989, which is an underwater version of this movie, basically, yes. and is far <laughs> inferior. But you get it's to kind of see. It it's is, a yeah. Terrible you get to movie. see Stan Winston's version of the thing creature in that, and it's yeah. it's like an anglerfish uh, crossed with a camel, and it's really awful. <laughs> it's like, it's like Stan Winston saw the abyss in this and merged the two, and it just did not. <laughs> yeah, we lucked gel. out with Rob Botton on this one. Yeah, really. <laughs> so the effects are not stop motion. 
uh, yep. just a little bit at the finale there. You can see uh, when the tentacles come out and grab the uh, the plunger for the dynamite. That's, yeah. That stop motion. You that can is. See the matting in that. There, there, there was, was supposed a whole to be a lot sequence. more. Yeah. There was a whole sequence Not at even the end with the Blair monster that was supposed to be stop motion. It was made. But it, uh, John Carpenter watched it and said, oh, I can tell it's stop motion. And he cut it out of the film. Yeah, so what what about the spider bit. head? Spider head, that's all. That's uh, a puppet. Puppetry, yeah. Which is oh, like that's it, yeah. a bit cool. of the, the yeah. dancing kind of not terribly <laughs> intimidating method of locomotion on the spider puppet. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're leaning away from each other. Oh, really? Okay. But yeah. it's, uh, it's remarkable for the fact that the, these effects are all practical. They're not CG. Yeah, yeah this is kind of yeah. the pinnacle of the practical special effect uh, right before we start hitting the age of the, hey, look what we can do with computers. No, you can't yet, but soon. And so <laughs> you get... This is just before everybody tried to do everything on a computer. Kind of like when digital cameras first came out. And was like, no, I got a digital camera. And it looked like shit because <laughs> film was still better. And so we're, we're just before you hit that hump where people tried to do stuff with computers but couldn't yet. So you get pe people at the pinnacle of a 40 or 50 year career of special effects in a practical manner. Uh, or even young guys, but they've had mm -hmm. the, the masters teaching them and uh, putting together amazing films like this. And then, you know, 15 years later, you have Jurassic Park. And right. suddenly practical effects now are something that are nostalgic when you see them in a movie. Mm -hmm. And so when I watch a movie mm -hmm. and I say, oh my God, that happened in that room. That's really yeah. charming. And <laughs> it's actually a cool <laughs> thing to see. Now I gotta ask, uh, I mean, Matt, have I mean, you, when, yeah, oh sorry. When, when you see the chest open and eat the guy's arms. Yeah. They did that. <laughs> and it, it was supposed to be a one take thing and the, the first take they did didn't work. Yeah, they ended <laughs> so up they had to melting everything and starting everything on fire more than once. Well, yeah, they, they <laughs> almost killed everybody on the set that day. How, how do these scientists have that much in explosives? That's another thing, like, too. I, I, um, I know that you have to have some, and, and but wow, that's The only person with a lot. scientific job title, I think one of them is, is a geologist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they don't really yeah. tell you what these guys well, do. They're at the U.S. outpost, they have a geologist uh, basically, uh, a sheriff Brody type character. Yeah. A yeah. couple of pilots, shotguns, and booze. They have a radio and operator. No one thought this would lead to trouble. What? They're armed for a reckoning of <laughs> of a level that Antarctica isn't prepared to provide. Well, to be fair, they're penguin army slide around in their bellies. They're not. <laughs> they don't have a lot to fear. Yeah. Why didn't the thing go after penguins first? Well, because they would be the most adorable and patient. <laughs> yeah. The, the thing would win. Swimming to Chile. You know, I'd let that take over. <laughs> the, the thing would win by cute alone if it yeah. went right. after exactly. the penguins. Penguins, <laughs> no one expects the puffin. Yeah. That's North Pole. To, to be fair, the fuck? <laughs> 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 to, be, to be fair, you know, places like McMurdo do have a very large service industry. Uh, you know, people who are you know cooks and uh, you know pilots and things like that that sure. support the scientific staff. But yeah, for an outpost, that there's a lot of there's uh, very little service being done. Yeah. Well, they they were busy. I mean, once this movie starts, they've got other stuff to think about. Well, but I mean, the first day when the dog shows up and they have no, no idea anything's wrong, all we see is people dicking around looking bored. They're, they're playing yeah. pinball and chess, chess wizard with Adrian Barbeau <laughs> in an uncredited well, that's, role. And here's where I'm going to say that actually it makes sense because they explained at the beginning of the film that the winter season is starting. And during that season, they're not going to be able to do a lot of research. So, yep. you know, what we're seeing is basically the research season having wound down. It's their spring break of science. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, There's so much less boobies during their spring break. <laughs> I always enjoy pointing this out to, uh, I believe it was uh, a Cracked article that pointed this out, that if you speak Norwegian, the movie is spoiled immediately. Oh, absolutely. Because the <laughs> helicopter pilot is saying, it's not a dog, it's a thing. Don't touch it. It's a thing. It's not a dog. Is what the, basically the dialogue is. So, huh. 
if it, only the characters. saw this movie in Nora, you went, oh. And then waited 40 <laughs> minutes for everyone else to figure it out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, the ones you know and you're watching the movie, that dog is creepy that as fuck. That dog deserves the best supporting yeah. actor. Yeah, everything that dog does <laughs> is done with such intent. Like, yes. I don't look that determined doing anything in my life. You're not that <laughs> determined doing anything. This is why I didn't finish high school. Like, I don't have that kind of focus. <laughs> like, it's, it's amazing. That dog was a half husky, half wolf. That, oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, terrifying animal actor named Jed. <laughs> and apparently they had to lock down the set every time they brought the dog in because it was very suspicious of people. <laughs> Aww. Why? Why shouldn't it be? They were going to torch it. The dog read the script. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think um, one of the interesting things about this movie, uh, I mean, in the horror genre, is that uh, you have a film peopled entirely with uh, characters that are actually doing smart things. Yeah. Uh, they they are faced with something that there is no bloody way they can really understand, and they they make fairly logical choices throughout. They don't make mm. really dumb decisions. The decision to test everybody's blood by, by heating up the wires, freaking brilliant. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, the only you know, major mistake is that they probably should have tied them up on separate chairs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and you find that the, you know, uh, Wilfred Brimley uh, kind of comes to the conclusion that, oh, by the way, this movie has one of the best computers of all time in it. Yeah. Uh, not, that she, not just the chess wizard. That's, that's just the, the pre-show, oh, yeah, the best computer. Beautiful. But you have the computer that, one, is so very 80s that it just it makes my heart melt. And two is the kind of computer that we saw in the 80s where you could just ask it stuff and it knows things. So like, uh, computer, I have a random infectious agent. What happens if it gets to the world? And the computer's like, oh, well, Bob, uh, you've got 27,000 hours before the world is taken over by random. What? Like, and you, you can just, like, there was a time when we assumed that the, the internet would just be able to, you know, it'd be Star Trek. You can just ask a computer a thing and it can tell you. And, and, this movie it and that's now true. It just, what it tells you will be wrong. Well, yeah, we, we have Wikipedia now. That's, yeah. the, that's the sum total of human achievement now. I liked I, I liked how it looked like a little video game as it was as moving. This it was side. just basically <laughs> asteroids, yeah. cell, cell invaders. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to play that game. <laughs> Bing. And they um, reading reading trivia about this movie. You know, uh, Carpenter and uh, Carpenter and Russell have both said that they don't really know when various characters were infected. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And the it, movie it is it doesn't it, it it it's really careful to not tell you. The movie does a lot, and this is one of the things I really like about this, is uh, the movie has a few points, and you notice them maybe, at least I noticed them more early on, where something a little untoward happens, and you just, look, you just have a shot of like Wilford Brimley's face, and then it just fades to dark. Or someone asks a very poignant question about how things are going sideways, and they all kind of look at each other, and it just fades to black, and you cut to later or somewhere else, and you, you're left with the same thing they have, which is there are no answers. And so you have a movie where the, all the people are just as confused as we are, and that leaves you hanging where who is infected, who is not. You never get to see the resolution of a lot of those questions, or the time, you don't get to see the thing take over a lot of people. It happens off screen somewhere else while we're watching something else. So yeah, the, the who's who is always kind of suspect, because McCready even has three scenes where he disappears long enough that he, that could, he be could be the thing. Yeah, so it does a very good job of that. The paranoia is ramped way up. Uh, and maybe they played a little fast and loose with exactly when and how everybody was able to get infected. I've seen charts online that try to explain the when and how, and they're always <laughs> different. <Yeah. laughs> they never, they never all jive. Well, but, but I mean, they were, any, they were any so of them could have been infected by the dog. 
In that, that initial yeah. scene, the dog just you know, yeah, jumps that, up and you, laps you, everybody you, on the face. You don't even need to. Tongue. You didn't it's even enough. need need to co- create a complex chart. You could be like, well, the dog infected this guy and this guy before he was put in the cage. Boom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Explanation done. Yeah, like the, the you get that awesome silhouette scene early on where the dog kind of walks in and there's just the silhouette yeah. of someone probably sitting on their bed or something and like that's and just so evocative of that. And yeah. that wasn't even one of the actors. They deliberately Stage used hand, right? somebody who was part of the crew as the silhouette so you couldn't guess who it was. Kind of oh, like in Black neat. Christmas where they have someone else that's not in the movie use the eye for the shot that you <laughs> can't <laughs> to an actor. Yeah. So before we go to audience comments, uh, Melissa, you, you definitely wanted to get into the conversation about the end of the film and the question of, you know, Who's the thing? Who's the thing, or if indeed, anyone. are either of them the thing? And everybody has a theory. They did shoot a happy ending. They did shoot a happy ending. It's never been released, to my knowledge. Yeah, uh, they, they shot it as a safety, just in case uh, the audiences came forward with pitchforks and fire to kill everyone uh, who made the film. So they Because they thought they were the thing? Right. No, <laughs> yes, that too. Okay. Um, but no, they, they did shoot a happy ending just in case the audience really hated the nihilistic ending that we saw here. And uh, it was uh, McReady sitting in an office. He had just had a blood test proving that he wasn't a thing, but he made it back to civilization. And happy ending, I guess. See how much lamer that sounds? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they knew, yeah. they, they knew it wasn't the way they wanted to go, but since they had Kurt Russell there, they shot it. So at the end, you know, we're, I'm pretty sure at least Carpenter had the intent that McReady is not the thing. It seems that way. Yeah, and sure. it seems that way. Because if he was the thing, he would not have blown himself up. Yeah. But yeah. there's this lovely well, touch He wouldn't have needed to. If he was the thing, but if he, he was could have thing. destroyed the camp to then be able to go hibernate. That's true. So he has a motivation, either as a good guy or a bad guy, to have the exact same course of action. And also, there's that lovely touch where he hands the bottle to Childs mm-hmm. after he's drank out of thereby it. Thereby infecting yep. Childs so if he is the thing. Childs if he were the thing. And there's a theory I read uh, that Childs could be the thing because there's something about a missing earring in that last scene. No, he, he The earring is there. He has it. Yeah, he there's something about the an earring that was something that people used as a tell, which I've always found shaky. But Yeah, but because that's predicated on the remake. The on the 2011 film, yeah. yeah, or the the video game or something. Anyway, something other uh, there, anyway. There's another one I heard that um, you can't see Childs breathing in the final scene, and therefore he's the thing. Yeah, you but know, I you read watch, that too. But, I watched but, that today, and you yeah. can actually see his you breath can at see one him point. At, like uh, on the first shot when he walks up, yeah. you can see him breathing. Yeah, but after so that, it's just BS. Yeah, yeah. I, I call BS on that one. Yeah, so really, so do you have a theory, Matt? Um, I, I choose to believe that uh, Kurt Russell is not infected and that uh, it's entirely likely that Keith David is, and that's fine, because uh, it's, it's a bummer ending, and regardless, they're going to die, and so I'm happy with the idea that uh, they, you know, they either have a standoff where they freeze to death. I mean, much as Kurt Russell said, if he is the thing, there's no reason he has to hold back from just attacking him when he walks up. True. So that punches a little bit of hole in the fact that he is. But I like the idea of the two of them just staring at each other till they freeze to death, kind of a la The Shining. That huh. that kind of makes me happy. So I guess I'm I'm fine with him with Keith David potentially being the thing. But I kind of like the idea of just those guys distrustfully freezing to death, staring at each other. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, what's your theory? I kind of like the idea that they're both the thing. Ah, and they're just kind of watching the world burn at that point. Do they? If they're the thing, do you think they know which others are the you thing? You know, I I th- I think that. 
some people know and some people don't. We never see cooperation between two infected. No, we never see two, cooperation between two infected, but you see a glimmer of realization in, um, oh goodness, I forget the character's name. Um, the 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 guy who gets knocked out and then he's laying in the corner and then he oh, oh the uh, radio guy yeah but he he refuses to take the lead earlier in an earlier True. scene he's hmm. like I'm not up to it right so I think he he kind of knew something wasn't right with him and deliberately handled yeah because it <laughs> you get the impression with some of these that that the thing hibernates that it's infected them but it hasn't actually taken over. Which, if you follow their computer model, it may take time to absorb enough cells to have yeah. full control. Sure. Jenna, do you have a theory? <laughs> yeah, they're sophisticated um, computer models. I, I think Kurt Russell <laughs> is not, but the other guy is. But I really like the idea of both of them not being infected and just, hmm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I wish, but yeah. I really think it's... I think neither one of them is the thing, but I also think that there's no way to completely destroy it. Right. Yeah. So... Even if they're not the thing, they're going to freeze the freeze to death. But they haven't really solved the problem. Right. No. That there's still as long as there's any living cell remaining. I mean, that's yeah, what they've established. Yeah. The head is if yep. there's a fragment of it, that's enough. And if so there's whoever shows up to clean up this place could be infected yep. before they know what's going on. You know, because Kurt Russell has made a tape, but he hid it and he didn't leave any and if notes. He didn't happen to blow it up. Yeah, you know, right. That you know, was, unless that he, was going he hid that brain. before he had the plan. Unless he hit it everything. on his person, which would have really been the best thing to do. Uh, unless, of course, he gets taken over by the thing, and then the thing knows where the tape is. Right. But wouldn't the thing know he where? Should have made a few copies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. Anyway, so see, um, it really doesn't matter because with <laughs> global climate change, it's all going to melt. <laughs> it's all going to go into the ocean. And then we're going to have thing whales and, and thing fish and thing sharks. And thing sharks. So it'll wash up and on then, that island and cast away. And then we'll have a Sharknado sequel. Oh, sweet. See, this is, this is, okay, so I'm going to go out into the office. We are going, uh, office, auditorium, and we are going to uh, allow for various comments. Pardon me. Uh, we have a hand up right over here. What, what would you like to say, miss? Uh, hi. I was wondering if you guys think maybe everyone got infected when the smoke was coming off that first body from the Norwegian camp. If it's cellular, could they have all just inhaled it and it wasn't even a matter of who and what not? It's seeing aerosolized the pathogen. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. the, movie, the movie logic seems to imply that the way to actually kill the thing is with fire. And so, I mean, it, it, I guess you could, theoretically, if the, the smoke coming off of whatever it is has already been, dis whatever it might be, what particles are in that have already been exposed to enough heat that theoretically maybe that kills the pathogen. But it's also entirely possible. You know what I mean? I like mean it, that's, yeah. It's not well, a great way of preventing if, something from spreading. If we, if we go with that. The, the thing that they, the, the bit of the thing that they brought back from the Norwegian camp comes back to life later. Even it does. It yeah. if, yeah. we go, if we go with that theory, though, then almost everybody would have been infected and not everybody was infected. We well, know this is that why you want to stand upwind when you're burning a corpse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's, it's this, this is one of the reasons you want one to One of many up. life lessons we've learned from the <laughs> thing. All right, we have another comment here. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but like every time in the movie, he probably does it five or six times, McCready says, like, he's, the thi he's that thing or get that thing. Uh, every time he says thing, I'm just like, oh, he said it. Like, you said the title, that's the movie's name. Like, uh, yeah. You said the thing again. You said Wait. it again. It's kind of like, yeah, like a Prince song is always named after the refrain. <laughs> it's yeah. the same kind of idea. I think it's also important to note that uh, this film yeah, is based on a novel called Who Goes There, but it's oh, also 
a remake of a film called The Thing from Another World, which is probably where the title of the film was what, 50 came from. Six? Uh, 56, 57. Something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. With which is a, The Thing from Another World is very different. quite possibly nothing like <laughs> this film, <laughs> except that it's set in a cold environment. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's, all, it's very, very good. Uh, for yeah, they 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 both took the same source material and went vastly different directions <laughs> with it. Yeah, my understand yeah. this my understanding this film is considerably closer to the source material. Yes, this is very close because in the 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 first film they wouldn't have been able to do the shape shifting thing. So basically, they had was it James Arness in a yes. suit and called him like a walking carrot and oh, that's the one. The yeah, the yeah, yeah it's a walking yeah. carrot. The carrot monster. Yeah. Yep. All right, so we have a comment here or question. Uh, I want to agree with Matt. Um, you're talking about the people get an inspiration or a thought and then you fade to black. There were tons of fades in this movie, lots of fades to white, too. Yeah. And, and just that combined with the music, the progression of this movie is just so slow and steady. Fade, dun, dun. I, I love that part yeah, of the movie. The, you bring up a good point because actually between the, that score is amazing. Just that simple mm. bass that's just dum dum. And combined with the fades, you're right, the movie has like a pulse or a heartbeat to it that to me is, it starts out at a resting pace and works its way up to being more and more frantic as you go through it. Um, whether the, uh, whether that's something that, you know, I, I, I tend to give Carpenter all the credit in the world for things because I'm a huge mark for Carpenter, uh, but whether that's something that he does at a certain intervals in order to create that, or if that's something that well, I just draw from it because I totally just gay for this movie. Well, <laughs> well Carpenter <laughs> is a musician himself, and he scores most of his own movies. I have his whereas, Halloween scores my ringtone. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's, gr- it's great stuff. But uh, it's interesting, for this movie, he handed the score off to Ennio Morricone, uh, the great musician, uh, uh, film scorer, film composer. I can't talk today. Uh, but anyway, it, and Morricone came back with this very John Carpenter sounding score with the Yeah, if you just heard it, you'd assume he had done it. Yeah. 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 So uh, the question is, you brought up earlier at the beginning about um, basically what's realistic and what's not. And for me, right off the bat, this camp, I mean, this helicopter comes with these people acting nuts and firing at this dog. And then we're just going to take the dog and let it run around the camp for a day. <laughs> that, that, right off the bat, that just doesn't seem very realistic to me. But I'm just curious your own thoughts. It, it, to me, that falls in line with the same idea of they're well armed uh, for, for nothing. And they're, you know, stocked with all kinds of booze and things. And maybe that's how it works. Maybe if you're going to do Antarctic research, they, they set you up like you're on a, on a weekend in Vegas. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I feel like that's... It is ridiculous. I mean, I guess, I don't know, a stray dog shows up. I, I, I guess that seems reasonable enough you might keep it. I'd be more worried about the guys shooting at it. That, that yeah. to me, is the more relatively I mean, realistic. That's I, a hell I of a headshot like, on that guy, too, by the way. It's not like there are bears in Antarctica. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, you, we have to assume. Aside from people, what are you going to shoot? Yeah, I mean, I guess it'd be, it'd be, most people would be hard-pressed to go, hey, look, a dog that's not ours. Well, lock it outside. <laughs> like yeah. In Antarctica, yeah. it's a yeah. death sentence. I feel like most people would find something. The idea that's not in a kennel of some sort. That, yeah, because you'd have, have to at least worry kennel. about it being sick the, or rabbit. Well, or but it, to be fair, the character, one of the characters, is like, wait a minute, you didn't put it in the dog kennel? Well, well, yeah. Wilford Brimley. Yeah. yeah. So the infected voice of reason, basically from the start. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I love the scene where Brimley's destroying all their radio equipment and all that, where he is. 
from the standpoint of someone trying to prevent the spread of the thing is doing the work of the thing by not allowing them to communicate or escape. Like, yeah. he's playing both sides. And you still don't know. You don't know yeah, if he's infected great. at that point. He could have been infected I later. I he is, because I like that read on it, but it, it could go either way. Yeah. You, 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 you kind of assume that Brimley's infected early, mm -hmm. but you don't know. I do, uh, before we take the next comment, uh, I want to go back to Ennio Marcion for a moment, because the thing about this score that's just so impressive is, yeah, he... He creates a John Carpenter score, but if you go and watch the movies for which he's iconically well known, you know the Sergio Leone films, it, it, you wouldn't believe it's it's composed by the same guy, yeah. uh, which is which is really remarkable that he gets brought in and to compose a Carpenter film and recognizes that what a Carpenter film needs is a Carpenter score, and that's what he provides, which yeah. is pretty impressive. So we have one more comment here. I actually do have two comments, but I'll, I'll start with one, and then you'll see if you'll let me do the other one. Um, so, uh, when they were in the in the the dog kennel right away, now I was sort of confused about what was going on because it always seems to be like there's like one thing, um, and that was the dog at the time. But it's like it, it seemed like like something quick scurried out of the cage, and then maybe something went through the roof. I'm not, th I'm, I'm not sure. In, in that other scene, yeah. I've seen this sequence many times. Uh, no, the, the two things that come shooting out of the cage are two of the regular dogs, because... Oh, before that. Oh, before yeah, that. There is, the, there the is the something that seems to grab the, the roof and, and oh, yeah, escape. Yeah, yeah. Arms come out of the top of the dog. Yeah, there's... Yeah. The, the thing is basically able to be anything. And so yeah. you end up with these really convoluted and kind of confusing looking montages of, wow, that's a lot of slimy things flapping around. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the concept was uh, when uh, it was actually a comic book artist, Mike Plug, who did all the storyboards and a lot of the creature designs. But um, the, the concept that they started with when they started doing the, the concept art was that this thing's been all over the universe and has picked up kind of the the genetic code of all these alien races. So what you're seeing are glimpses of the things it's assimilated before. Aww. So you're, you know, that's where the, you know, kind of spidery legs and the eye stalks and all the crazy stuff like that. And when it needs from. to be aggressive, it can pull yeah. the fangs of some other thing it's and, been before. And, or a, and a lot of it is also, uh, you know, earth biology gone wrong. Like the big flower thing that comes out is, if you look at it closely, it's 12 dog tongues lined with dog teeth. It's so cool. <laughs> oh. Okay, one more comment from you. All right. Um, now, you guys mentioned that there was a, a Thing remake at one point. Um, yeah, just a couple years ago. Yeah, and before that, I don't know if anyone's seen X-Files, but there's basically an entire episode that there is. copies it, the Thing. It is a direct homage to this movie. It I've is. seen that. The 2011 <laughs> film is not a remake. It is a prequel. Yeah, it's a prequel. It, it is a story about the, what happened in the Norwegian camp. I haven't seen it, but my understanding is it's god-awful. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> I, I avoided it for the same reason. Yeah. Uh, so we have one more comment, and then we'll probably move to wrap up. So here we go, sir. So just uh, real quick, a couple of things. Another unanswered question, I thought, wondered if anyone else noticed this, was, uh, I forget the actor's name, but when uh, near the end, when uh, he and uh, Kurt Russell uh, are down near the generator, and they're going to blow everything up, um, the uh, no, and uh, Gary is down there too. We, we know that Wilford Brimley, you know, attacks you know Gary as the thing, but then the last guy whose name I can't remember, he just wanders Nulls. off. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, Nulls, That's it. And and we, we never see where he goes. I've just is always assumed he got absorbed. 
Yeah, I, I, I guess. Uh, yeah, you're right. They, they don't. He he gets like a really lame walk off into the mist's death. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it seems like he could be out there somewhere too. He could honestly, if yeah. he had showed up at the end, that would have made just as much sense as mm -hmm. Keith David. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that'd be a really great post-credits sting is the two of them sitting there staring at each other, and then one more dude walks up. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh fuck but, me. Hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> also, one other quick thing I wanted to note, uh, Melissa, whether you saw this movie before or after you did your research in Antarctica. I did not do research in Antarctica. I did research in the Arctic. Ah. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, uh, missed it by we, half a globe. <laughs> 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 Other side of the planet. Um, no, I've been trying to get to Antarctica. But um, yes, I, I saw it. Uh, this and the first X-Files movie uh, right before going to the Arctic Circle. And that was, that was a hell of a thing. You watched Jaws <laughs> before taking cruises too? <laughs> Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think uh, we've reached the point where we need to kind of offer final thoughts uh, before we close out this conversation because they actually are going to do another showing of the thing which many other people will come to. Um, so, Matt, any final comments on the film? Uh, like I said, probably my favorite, not just favorite horror movie, but just plain favorite movie. Um, I'm a huge Carpenter mark, and this is, to me, uh, Carpenter kind of at his best when he's uh, working with actors he's clearly comfortable with and uh, is doing some just good, patient storytelling. I'm a huge gorehound, so I love my, my movies to have crazy, weird monsters and blood and guts, and this one does it with a movie that also has a plot, and those two things don't often go hand in mm. hand. <laughs> uh, ton of fun. This is a great... Um, I don't really like horror movies. Well, are you squeamish? And if the answer is no, I'll try this one for people. Uh, if they are squeamish, I'll go with Halloween is usually a better a better shot. Um, but yeah, just one of my movies that I revisit multiple times a year. Love mm -hmm. it. Uh, I'm very fond of this movie uh, for many, many, many reasons. But I think my favorite part of it is it's it's a horror movie where people are smart and they they make bad decisions, but it's because they're scared or they're they have some reason to act that way. But for the most part, these, these are people who are behaving in smart ways and making some ingenious mm -hmm. decisions. And, and that ups the ante for the paranoia and the, uh, and the horror and the terror that happens in the film. And I'm, I'm very... And you also, you also give a crap about these characters more yeah. because they aren't idiots. Yeah. Because yeah. they really are making very smart decisions to try and save their own skin. It's just that they're up against something that's so much so much so far beyond their capability to deal with mm -hmm. Jenna um, I, I really like it and again I think it's because of the the smart decision-making and also just the the you never know who like it, it's like it's like clue in Antarctica <laughs> where anyone could have done it <laughs> it was the I, husky dog well with the I, candlestick in I the like supply room. That there's so many possible answers to all of the questions that we're asking throughout. Like and there's it's to the point of overwhelming, which is how you get some of those stupid mistakes that those characters are making. So yeah, I really like that aspect. Speaking of, it. of culprits doing things in rooms really quick before we wrap, how great is that you, you go, Hey, he got out. After we locked him in the tool shed, he found a way to get out. <laughs> it's hard to believe. In a shed full of tools, he found a way to escape. I was really sad. I, I thought, okay, so he goes down and he's got that like little spaceship thing that he's building. In the Why didn't they just let him go? Because they would destroy the planet? 
Wait, well, see, I think that's that interesting, and I've always thought about that as well. That I don't think. That's assuming he goes off world and not just to well, a population center. Yeah, I would. I would presume that the thing's goal is not necessarily to assimilate an entire population. That doesn't seem particularly useful. Uh, it, it just wants to survive. So it could easily just be building a ship to, to get off world, and, yeah. and maybe they should have let it. I don't know. Could be. Uh, it could be a Raiders of the Lost Ark thing where you actually hindered the plan by helping him. Yes. Yeah, you should. Yeah. You, if they'd stopped, stopped trying to stop him from leaving the planet, everything would have been fine. But I think the presumption is that he would have not been able to build a ship that would have gotten him off yeah, world. It's more like the ship from Lilo and Stitch than yeah. from Star Wars. So. Yeah, he, would, he would have just gone to the Falkland Islands and we would have had that penguin army. Oh, penguin. There you go. Adorable. Okay, so we are going to sign off. I'm going to give you a couple of things that are coming up. Uh, our next podcast is going to be a Christmas special. We'll be watching Trading Places. Sweet. Yes, Trading Places. And after that, we're going to be recording another live podcast here at the beautiful Pepitos Parkway Theater. On the 14th of December at 1.15, we are going to be watching the Alfred Hitchcock classic Vertigo. Because really we totally exciting. got uh, Jenna hooked on Alfred Hitchcock really after showing her Hitchcock. rear window. So uh, we're very excited about that. We'd like to thank everybody for coming out. You can applaud again. Thank you for coming out. Thank you again to Pepito's Parkway Theater for hosting us. Yes. And we are going to sign out. We hope you enjoyed our film fixation. We'll see you next time on A Real Education. Dee -dee.